the sleeper in the bus. There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open file, a case shut. A short stop or stop short. Press play or press abort. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all to listen. Aiming at what truth is. Mike and Eno pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting? Who's missing? The sleeper in the bus. The sleeper in the bus. Hello out there in Fantasyland, and welcome to The Sleeper in the Bust. I'm Mike Podhorzer, and I'm joined today by Rotographs contributor David Weirs, and today we'll be discussing a pitcher possibly on the move and another aiming to return soon after a long absence. And uh, I hear that somebody has made a triumphant return to the world of competitive gaming. Is that you, David? Indeed it is. Uh, I announced via Twitter earlier that uh, it, it, it won't be in Counter-Strike anymore, but it'll be in Team Fortress 2. Uh, we're not Team Fortress 2? Is that a game? Yes. Okay. It's a, it's a pretty big game, and for anyone listening, it's actually free to play right now. Uh, it has been for several years now. And Is it an MMORPG? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not that much of a nerd. It's a first-person computer. Come on, Pat Horser. See, I'm, I'm just trying to show off my terminal, my knowledge of terminology in the gaming world and so that's really the only one that i know yeah (laughs) um well like i i thought about like joining a team for like starcraft but i'm i'm just never gonna be that good at starcraft 2 uh i've been toiling away in like low to mid masters for two or three seasons in a row now so i figured i'd just go back to the bread and butter of video games which is first person shooters and uh, i tried out for a ugc iron team which normally people don't try out but all these guys what's a ugc Oh, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, UGC is United Gaming Clans. Um, Whoa. According to their wiki, they're uh, on five separate continents with almost 500 different teams. So this is this should be fun. And apparently you told me that you were picked to be one of their starting scouts? Yes, correct. Um, hey, if you can't be a baseball scout, might as well be a UGC scout, right? <laughs> That's basically how I felt, yes. Although, in this regard, there's no spreadsheets. Ooh, maybe you should start up a sabermetric site for gaming. Well, that's the actually curious part, because there's such a thing as, like, fall-off damage and things like that. So there is some algorithms that you have to think about. Very interesting. Indeed. Uh, I'll probably stream and record demos and do that, things like that, on Twitch TV. So, any viewers... Uh, hit us up in the comments, and I'll make sure I stream. And and now, since you're a scout, is there anything I can do to prove to you I'm worthy of being picked for your team? Uh, well, no, no. By scout, that's like a position in the game, actually. Oh, oh, oh like, sorry. Yeah, I'm a small, fast, do a lot of damage, but very low health class, basically. I see. Mm-hmm. That sounds really interesting. It is for some. Maybe <laughs> one of those. <laughs> All right, let's get to a more important question before we talk about baseball. And and that is that you, in I think it was this morning's Rotor write-up, you confirmed the news from Broken Lizard, who is the best comedy troupe in existence, that Super Troopers 2 is going to be given the green light. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I didn't read the details. I don't know when that's if that's already been filmed, if that's going to be filmed, if that's coming out when. They have the script ready to go. Uh, it was like a podcast-type interview with two of their guys. And basically, they just got the rights from Fox, so they're going to start shooting any moment now. Awesome. So, the question now that is begged to be asked is, are you more excited for Super Troopers 2 or Potfest, which was 
hinted at at the end of Beer Fest, and I had read somewhere that this is confirmed this will be also made into a movie. Uh, at the risk of breaking federal law, I'll go with... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have to go with Super Troopers 2, and I shall plead the fifth on any and all other things. <laughs> well, which did you like better, Super Troopers or Beer Fest? Uh, that's like a Sophie's choice. Um... I ask all the hard questions here. You, you do. You really dig deep to the core of a man. Um, I'm going to go with Super Troopers, but that answer is subject to change based on my hour-to-hour mood. And and how much beer you have inside of you at the moment. Also true, yes. Well, I'm going to have to disagree. Wow, and, controversy. You know, when I actually first saw Super Troopers, for whatever reason, I didn't love it, and then the more I saw it, the more I enjoyed it. Meow. And... Uh, Beer Fest, the first time I saw it, I loved it, Meow. Okay. And I guess you missed my Meow references, which means that you're not a true Super Trooper fan. <laughs> no, no, I heard the Meow. I heard it. You didn't react. I'm very disappointed in that. <laughs> Blame Skype. There is a delay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about we talk some baseball? Sounds so good. the most interesting player alive is not that interesting at all because that's all we talk about. But I think it's been two episodes at least since we've talked about Yasiel Puig. So I figured he's fair game to talk about again. Because we got to get our – I mean, the ratings on our show will not be nearly as high if we don't talk about Puig in, like, every episode, right? But we already talked about Team Fortress 2 and Super Troopers 2. I mean, <laughs> the ratings for this one is, like, lowest common denominator. If this doesn't get the people in, nothing will. All right. So, Yasiel Puig obviously started off his major league career as hot as possible. I don't think you could have gotten hotter than Puig. And that has all come – Falling down in July, he's batted only 254, only one home run in 59 at bats, only one steal and two caught stealings. So, is the window to sell high in him quickly narrowing, or I mean, is he a guy that owners should still hold on to, expecting uh, a strong rush of the season? For redraft leagues, I think yes. he has. let's go redraft leagues. <laughs> just, just I mean, keeper leagues, you have to hang on to him, like the That's tools. Perfect. And the upside alone just demand that he be hung on to. Uh, but if I'm in like a mixed, you know, mixed league 12 team or redraft, I think I would have moved him basically after the first two weeks because that's when his value is going to be absolutely through the roof. Because what he's doing now is what like Mike Trout basically was doing. Like that's what his seasonal numbers look like. And I just don't see Puig continuing on that. Like, so in other words, you don't expect him to sustain a 455 BABIP? Um, not so much. Um, <laughs> honestly, I I do kind of worry about him sustaining the sub five percent walk rate though. Like that's not great to me. But he had a better walk rate in the minors than he does now. I think he's just maybe a little excited, still happy to be here. But now pitchers, like you said, in July he's very he's struggling to a I would say a pretty considerable degree that pitchers may have kind of seen the book on him. And so you know what? It was a time to jettison him. I, I think he can struggle even further because if you look at all of his plate discipline stats, they are horrendous. Mm-hmm. His outside swing percentage is at 42%, league average 30.5%. That's insane. And check out his swinging strike rate. It's more than double the league average at 19%. Now, I don't have the league leader up right now, but mm-hmm. I would guess that a 19% swinging strike rate is the worst at all of baseball if he actually qualified. Oh, that would be a very safe bet. Well, have you seen the contact rate? Yeah, that contact rate is atrocious as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just one of those things where 
he's going to be a bit of a hacker for now. But again, he, he has time to develop. But I think he's, what, not quite 23 off the top of my head? Uh, yes, you are correct. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 22, 23, in, in that range. I, I don't have all the birthdays memorized. Too many numbers. Yeah, he's going to be 23 in December. So, I mean, it looks like pitchers have begun to adjust, and mm-hmm. it'll be up to Puig to readjust. Because right now, in July, he has struck out in a third of his plate appearances. And obviously, if you're striking out, you're not going to be getting on base, hitting home runs, stealing bases. And he actually, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's basically a replacement level 12-team mixed leaguer uh, mm-hmm. over the next couple of weeks as pitchers really exploit his weaknesses and just don't throw him strikes. I mean, if you look at his zone percentage, it's way below the league average. So pitchers know this. He's not swinging at strikes. He's basically swinging at everything. And pitchers are just not even throwing him strikes. Mm-hmm. So so he's got to really adjust to, to get back to the level that really uh, spawned all that hype uh, when he first came up. Right. Well, plus the position that he plays, the outfield, in a mixed league, in a 12-team mixed league, like, outfield is just so deep that if, you know, Puig was maybe a shortstop or second baseman, then sure, he's worth hanging on to and not trading, but for the outfield right now, I I would definitely be taking offers on him. And yeah, also a concern is just the the crowded Dodgers outfield. I mean, Mm -hmm. they haven't traded Andre Ethier yet. He's still there, so I don't think they're going to necessarily make him a full-time bench player. So if Puig's slump continues, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they send him back down. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that would be a crazy, crazy idea, even though his season-long line obviously still looks amazing, that yeah. the thought of them sending him down is crazy. But <clears throat> you never know if he continues to slump. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move along to Matt Kane, who on the surface finally had a decent start. He only allowed... Uh, two runs yesterday, but that came along with four walks in five innings. And the concern that I have is that it came out recently that apparently he actually has bone chips in his elbow. And as we always have said, elbow injuries are the ones that cause control issues. And he's walked 11 batters over his last three starts, and that's only been uh, eight innings. 11 batters in his last eight innings. So you wonder... Is that elbow really bothering him? Right. Well, at, like you said, like in his past three starts, like he, he hasn't made it out of the sixth inning. And two of those starts, he made it, didn't even make it to the fourth inning. So there are very, very real concerns regarding Matt Cain's, not just rest of the season, but even future, because maybe he needs surgery to remove the bone chips. That wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility. And that can derail entire seasons at that point. Yeah, and it bothers me how this injury stuff always comes out like as a, a little piece of an article. It's like, oh yeah, he's been pitching with bone chips and blah 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 blah. It's like, hello, bone <laughs> chips. Like, might that explain his struggles a bit? Don't you think? Just a touch, yeah. You know, maybe, just maybe. And it's always annoying because this happens all too often that us fantasy leaguers have to deal with. Now, I don't own Matt Cain in any league, so like, I'm not speaking out of personal frustration. But it just seems like every year this happens where a pitcher or a hitter has a disappointing season and at the end of the year, the hitter's like, oh yeah, by the way, I've been playing with a a bulky shoulder. Well, hello, thanks for ruining my fantasy year 
by not going on the disabled list and not doing anything about it and screwing your own team. Now, do you, this is like kind of blending fantasy baseball with like almost psychology at this point. But do you think that's kind of like team pressure? Like guys feel like, oh, I got to be a, a manly man and go, you know, battle through injuries. Yeah, very much so. Is, is, it, is that basically just pride? or It is. It's, it's like being a man and, and thinking that if you sit out with an injury, you're being a baby. Uh, I think J.D. Drew was one of the guys who would get criticized for not playing through uh, minor injuries. And then there are those guys who pitch through and hit through minor injuries, but it affects their performance. So personally, I think if you're not playing at 100% and you're performing poorly, say something and go on the disabled list because it's not doing anybody any good playing through an injury right well i i touched on this in the road to write up but matt halliday was just placed on the disabled list uh retroactive to basically a week ago so he's gonna have a chance to come off the uh dl next weekend already and he's like yeah i have a hamstring i'm sore in the hamstring so I, i'm very happy that he's missing time now because i own him in a head-to-head league and if he missed time in the last two or three weeks during the playoffs i would have gone absolutely bonkers so i'm actually <laughs> thankful that he's on the disabled list now and the hopes that he'll be healthy for the stretch run. Yeah, and, and speaking of Matt, Matt Kemp is another guy who, it's clear, his shoulder must have been bothering him all season long. Mm-hmm. I mean, what other explanation for his power that has completely disappeared, although he has homered already today. And, you know, he's been also often on the DL. He was on the DL, just he just came off of it for that shoulder. And, and he's a guy that you wonder how healthy is he, and he's going out there every day and hurting his team by just not performing. So right. if his shoulder has really been bothering him, say something and get time off. I mean, that's what happened with Dan Harron, although he didn't actually want to go on the DL. But <laughs> maybe he's going to be healthier and pitch better, hopefully. Which, that's another very just interesting thing to me. Like, why would you be 75%, let's say, and just get shelled as a pitcher? I just don't get it. As a hitter, rather than miss two weeks and come back at, no, you know, like 90, 95, 100%. Like, why? how does that make sense to people? Don't they know? that these numbers are being used to grade them on their, like, free agency? Like, sure, an injury history doesn't help anyone in free agency, but neither do bad numbers. So there's kind of, like, there's got to be a point of diminishing returns on injury versus I just need to miss time and be healthy at this point. And yeah, I think I mean, each guy. It, it, it's such an ego thing where they don't want to just look like pussies, to be honest. I mean, that's what it comes down to. They don't want to look like a pussy and uh, – I remember a while ago, it was before Strasburg had Tommy John surgery – and I think it was – maybe it was Rob Dibble, but it was one of the Nationals broadcasters at the time who basically criticized Strasburg for being a baby and not pitching through his injury. And sure enough, a week later, the news came out that he needed Tommy John surgery. And I think Dibble – I think if – assuming it was Dibble, he was fired after those comments. That's, and, yeah, that that should happen. That, it, that yeah. happen. But it's the comments like that that cause – players to want to pitch and hit through injuries because they don't want to be coming off looking like babies. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's it's difficult as a fantasy owner and, and of course, just a, a baseball team dealing with players like that because you're, you're just not sure what to do. Anyway, we're going to stick on the talking about Matt theme and talking about Matt Garza, who uh, is, is somewhat in the midst of a trade to the Rangers and they haven't exactly... Uh, agreed to that deal just yet, but let's say he is traded to the Rangers. How does that affect his fantasy value? Um, well, he's going from one hitter-friendly park to another, uh, but the big difference is he's going from the NL to the AL. 
So that that lack of a DH that he's facing right now will probably change him a little bit. Um, but for the most part, he's going from a, a bad team to a good team. I don't think his rates will ch- really change much, but he should be in line for a few more wins. So I would be not super anxious to make a play for Garza, but if I already own him, I would probably pencil in a few extra wins from this point forward. Yeah. Yeah, if nothing else, he'll definitely get some more run support. The Cubs haven't exactly been uh, an explosive offense. Rizzo has, after a, a great April, he's been disappointing. Starlin Castro has been disappointing all year. Nate Sherholtz had that couple of week hot streak, and then he's remembered who he is. He's Nate Sherholtz. Uh, so it's basically been Alfonso Soriano and nobody else. Obviously, the Rangers, the Rangers themselves actually have been, I think, slightly disappointing as well, but there's still a much better offense. But the problem is, is that, yes, Wrigley Field and uh, Ballpark at Arlington are both hitter parks, but Rangers have one of the best hitter parks in the league. And so I think that is going to hurt Garza, uh, his ratios, obviously moving to the AL. He's going to face the DH. So I think that he definitely does take a hit. His strikeouts are going to decline. And I don't think the uh, increase in wins, maybe he'll win an extra game or two. I don't think that is going to be enough to offset the hit he's going to take in ratios. So I, I do think that if he gets traded to the Rangers – He's going to see a decline in fantasy value. Okay. Would you trade him if he does get traded? If, hypothetically speaking, you own him on a fantasy team, someone offers you a trade, would you accept a trade now and then not later or vice versa, depending on if or not he gets traded to the Rangers? See, the thing is, is that I don't, I feel like Matt Garza's perceived value, he doesn't have a a big name. Mm -hmm. So I feel like he just. He doesn't necessarily garner a whole lot in trade. Like he's a, you know a mid-tier guy, probably below guys like a Jeff Samarja, who I know there's probably a lot of people who love Jeff Samarja, but I don't think there are people who love Matt Garza. He's like a solid, like a Lance Lynn. I mean, you think you can get a whole lot for a Lance Lynn? Probably not. But right. I, I think they're they're similar type pitchers. They're you know they're solid guys that don't have big names that, that probably won't attract a whole lot in trade. So I don't think he's a guy that you can really sell high and really profit on a trade uh, under the assumption that his ratios are going to take a hit. So while I think he's going to earn maybe a, a couple of bucks less, it's not like he's going to implode in Texas if he goes there. Okay. But I would welcome a trade to a, a different team, maybe the Nationals uh, or whoever else that he's been rumored to. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a fan, I wouldn't mind if the A's would manage to pick him up because for all the depth that the A's have, I'd I, I hate that the A's have a very good, like, one through seven, one through eight starting pitchers. But in the playoffs, you only need, like, a top three and the occasional rare four. And that's where I just don't feel comfortable with the A's lineup or the A's rotation. You yeah. know, just cross knock on wood that they make the playoffs again. Yeah, season. I mean, they don't, they don't really have an ace. Right. They just have a bunch of solid guys. Like, Parker could be maybe in a year or two. Straley's been okay. Uh, Anderson would be an ace, but he just can't stay on the field. He's an ace of the DL. Yeah, that hurts. (laughs) Hey, I drafted Brett Anderson in at least one of my leagues this year, and I've had him many years, and and he's as frustrating to me as he is to you as an ace fan. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can only hope that he comes back healthy from that foot and he provides like a month's worth of value for fantasy owners. Like, that would just be a, such a great, like, shot in the proverbial arm in, like, September, October. If they got Anderson back and healthy for, like, the last two months, ugh, I would be doing backflips in the street. I mean, if I could do backflips, that's what I would be doing. You know. If you do backflips, please, 
videotape yourself, post it on YouTube, and we'll add it to this post. <laughs> you've, you've seen me, so you know my uh, physical, shall we say, limitations. <laughs> in my not-so-athletic frame, yes. All right, let's talk about another pitcher, Chris Carpenter, who I think everybody assumed was going to be out for the entire year, possibly for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he's rehabbing now, and he actually might be back in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think he's going to have any value in any leagues, or 12-team mixed leagues or deeper? Uh, maybe maybe in, like, NL-only leagues and, like, 14-team, 14, 14, wow, 14-team, like, deep bench mixed leagues. Um, like, he just got shelled in AAA yesterday. Like, he, he threw, I think, 75 pitches, but... Only like 39 of them or something were for strikes, and he didn't make it out of the fourth inning, and he gave four runs. Uh, Jeff Zimmerman on Rotographs in his MASH report, which is arguably the greatest thing that Rotographs does. I mean, I, I love the MASH report. Well, besides the podcast, I would have to agree with you. <laughs> which goes without saying, a clear number one. No, yeah. but yeah, the MASH report is what I look forward to every single week. I agree. Right. Uh, the brilliant Jeff Zimmerman touched on, like, Carpenter was sitting in the low 90s again. But until I just see a little bit more control and a couple more strikeouts from Carpenter, even in the minors, I wouldn't touch him in mixed league 12 team right now because there's just so many good pitchers out there on the free agency or waiver wire. You know, I I read that he had touched 95 during his rehab. And Hmm. that's significant because, I mean, he was never a real hard thrower. I mean, his career high in fastball velocity was just 93. He generally has been between 90. 91 and 92 or so mm-hmm. so the fact that he is sitting in the low 90s and he's touched 95 means that he seems pretty darn healthy and that his shoulder and his age have not taken a bite out of his velocity which does give me some optimism that maybe he could provide value even in shallower 12 team mixed leagues okay i mean he's clearly a wait and see but he's always had very good control he's always been a ground ball pitcher he's in basically the perfect situation, the Cardinals, A, have a great offense. B, they're in a pitcher's park. C, they're in the National League. So if you can basically choose any team for a pitcher to be on, the Cardinals might be a top three team for me to be pitching for. So great situation. Obviously, a history of excellent skills. The velocity looks like it might be back. And, uh, I mean, the only concern, obviously, is can he remain healthy and not have to deal with any repercussions with the shoulder and the neck and, and every other body part that always seems to be hurting him. <laughs> would, would you pick him up in a standard league right now? Uh, you know, in, in Tout Wars, in, in Labor, those are 15-team mixed leagues. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely in Labor, where, you know, two weeks ago I, I picked up Nate Eovaldi. And uh, so it was guys like that that you're, you're sca- basically scrambling for. So Carpenter is somebody who has upside probably greater than anybody who's a free agent now so labor yes tout wars i think my pitching staff is pretty good so i'm not sure but i think he's definitely somebody that could have value in that league uh in my 12 team mixed league yeah again i think i would take a more wait and see approach whereas labor i think i would pick him up before his start if i could okay thinking that he could provide immediate value but yeah shallower league i would want to see his first start where he's sitting velocity-wise, what his control is like before I pounce. But he's definitely somebody to monitor, as I think he could have value pretty quickly. Okay, that's fair. All right, let's get to Alex Rodriguez, who was supposed to be 
activated finally from the DL tomorrow or Tuesday. But now he's got a quad thing going on, so we're not sure. But assuming that he does come back in the next couple of days, I mean, is he a guy who's going to provide any value whatsoever, or is he just done at his age? I don't think he's done yet, no. Um, honestly, I think he'll even have a little bit of value yet this year. Uh, I, I'm not saying that he's going to set the world on fire, you know, in the last eight or nine weeks or whatever the MRI report says tomorrow. He that, might have to set the world on fire to prevent himself from getting suspended for all that time. Right. So yeah, there's there's kind of a lot of extenuating circumstances here, Rod. Like, the first being, obviously, the big one is, will he be suspended? And then the second one being, well, he's pretty old and he's coming, after, coming back from a serious injury. And then, on the other hand, like, third base is just terrible. Like for an offensive level, um, it's just it's just a desolate wasteland most of the time. So there's a lot of players out there who are probably starting someone at corner infield or third base. But honestly, A Rod would be an upgrade over. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go pick him up right now and burn the you know the number one waiver priority or blow a big chunk of my free agent acquisition budget. But I do think that he'll be useful this year, assuming he doesn't catch a big suspension. So the thing that I see with A-Rod is that I feel like he's probably not going to be able to play every day. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be very tough for weekly league owners to be starting him if he's not going to play. I mean, maybe he'll get some DH time, especially mm-hmm. because Travis Hafner hasn't hit since April. But <laughs> I just I feel like it's going to be every couple of days something else is going to be hurting him and he's not going to be in the lineup. And it's just going to be like who knows when he's actually going to be in the lineup. Obviously, at his age, his power is going to be dwindling. He's also probably not on some mysterious stuff that he used to be on that might affect his power. And he's obviously probably not going to be stealing bases just because he's coming back from that hip surgery. Even though he stole 13 bases last year, at his age and, and given his injuries, I, I just feel like that speed is going to be gone. He hasn't hit for average since 2009. So I think in 12-team mixed league, he's, he's going to be pretty worthless. Now, deeper than that, yeah, it's probably worth taking a chance depending on who you're starting. But in shallower leagues, um, I'm not going to bother picking him up. Okay. Now, I'm actually curious what you think because I'm in a 12-team mixed league with a, a bunch of other uh, industry vets. And I'm currently starting David Freeze. Oh, my God. Third base has been a carousel for me. <laughs> I I drafted Trevor Plouffe, mm-hmm. uh, and then he was injured. I picked up – oh, my God. Who did I pick up? I don't know, like Lonnie Chisenhall, and then I was with, like, Kevin Euclid, and, like, I, I don't even remember. Then I – oh, I had Mike Moustakis. Oh. And, yeah, and then I dropped him, and then somebody dropped David Freeze, and so now I have David Freeze. Mm-hmm. Rest of the season, who do you like better, David Freeze or A-Rod? I'll go with Freeze, actually. Yeah, that's what I've been debating this weekend. Do I pick up A-Rod and drop Freeze? And I'm like, you know what? Freeze is going to play every single day. Mm-hmm. He might not out-homer A-Rod, but at least Freeze is going to probably give me a good batting average. He's in a good lineup, so his uh, RBIs should be pretty good. So he's definitely the safer choice. And and I fear, even though it's a, a daily transaction league, I feel like I'm going to be scrambling for guys that are actually playing because A-Rod just going to get too many days off. And so I don't want to be bothered with that, and so Freeze it is. Yeah, that's, that's exactly like you said. Like, I don't know if A-Rod might play, you know, third base three times a week and then get pulled in the eighth inning every time and then DH two other times a week. That's one of the another big factor where I'm kind of, like, hesitant to be like, well, do I really pick him up or do I not or what what am I doing? Because, like, 
I, I'm in uh, my home league. It's a 12-team mix, but it has 29 29-man ros- rosters plus 10-man prospect lists. So one of my utility slots is Darren Ruff, who I like Ruff quite a bit as a prospect, but he just hasn't fully done it for me yet. So I'm pondering, do I want A-Rod or what do I want to do? I would go Ruff. I, I'm thinking I'm going to stick with Ruff because he's eligible in two different positions right now, uh, both first and left. And I, I'm just kind of internally debating myself and second-guessing. But yeah. I mean, he's playing every day. He's batting fifth in the lineup. And uh, even though... He was a bit of a disappointment this year in the minors. I mean, last year he had like 37 home runs, so he clearly has power. Right, right. So, yeah, I, I also have Ruff in, in labor, and so I would, I would recommend him over A-Rod. Gotcha. All right, uh, let's move along to but, a guy that I never heard of until this year. I don't know if you have. And he's the new Twins DH, and that's Chris Colabello. He's actually 29 years old, and he was – Actually, an independent ball from 2005 to 2011 before being signed by the Twins last year. Is he a guy that could potentially provide some sneaky value to, I don't know, you tell me what size league you'd have to be in for <laughs> him to be worth a pickup? I'm, I'm in the same boat as you are, as embarrassing as it is to admit. Yeah, I, I had never heard of him before probably, I don't know, maybe mid-April of this year. Just when people were talking about, you know, potential twins lineups and depth charts, and I'm like, who is this? But the more I look at him, the more I see basically a right-handed version of Jack Cust, who also never really got a fair shake in the majors until I think Cust was probably 28 or 29. But Cust had a nice three-year power peak. Um, In three straight years, Cust went 26, 30, 30, and 25 home runs with 82, 77, and 70 RBIs. Like, even with a relatively poor average he averaged about 245 throughout that span that's still useful and even in 12 team leagues so anytime you can average 30 and 80 with a 250 uh, average i'll take that in mixed leagues sure yeah every time i see late 20 year old who finally get their first chance in the majors jack cuss is the exact same guy that i always think about mm-hmm. but the difference between colabello and cuss is that Cust struck out a ton in the minor leagues, but he also walked a lot. Colabello's walk rate was probably a, a little bit above league average, but nothing crazy. But he makes much better contact than Cust did, which is obviously uh, a good sign. Mm-hmm. So he showed great power this year, 24 home runs and 322 at-bats for a 298 isolated slugging. But you just never know with these guys. I mean, with such little minor league experience, I mean, this is a 29-year-old who is mm-hmm. – likely facing competition a lot younger. So he's such a toss-up, and and you really have no clue what he might actually do. Right, right. So, um, okay, here, here, we just talked about him. Uh, would you rather have Calabello or Ruff rest of season? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I would go Ruff. I like the ballpark better. And, okay. I mean, he's a bit younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I own him, so I hope he's better. <laughs> I'll agree with you, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Calabello just go, not bonkers, but maybe he ends the season with 12 home runs and has a nice, you know, three or four week span where he's just, he is hitting pretty well. Like, that wouldn't shock me either. Yeah, and and the good thing about Calabello is that target field is awful for left-handed power hitters, but is a righty, so he doesn't have to worry about that. Uh, but, I mean, he also probably isn't going to get that long of a leash, a leash because they did send down... Oswaldo Arcia and then Chris Parmalee. And these are guys who could very well, or 
at least Arcia is part of the Twins' future. Partly not as positive about that, but if those guys hit over the next couple of weeks and Colabello does nothing, I mean, he's going to be demoted very quickly and probably give it up on him, uh, you know, just given his age. So he basically needs to hit to stay up because he's not going to have a very long leash. But I do agree that he is worth taking a chance on. Uh, you know what? Even in mixed leagues, if you're in a 12-team mixed league and you need power, he does seem to have that upside and potential. And it's not often that somebody who, who seemingly has 25 to 30 home run power is available on free agency to take a stab on. So, you know, you might as well take a take a chance if you need that power. Mm-hmm. In Adenu, how much would you pay for him? Two dollars? Gosh. Three? Clearly, I'm an Adenu expert. Uh, we'll <laughs> resample size. One season does not occur to <laughs> me, my friend. <laughs> well, our league is really shallow. It's only 10 teams. And so I wouldn't pay anything for him. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, even in a 12-teamer, I don't know, because it's a keeper league, and, and given Calabello's age, I can't imagine that he's part of their long-term future. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he's somebody that you, you can pick up for a buck or two, and if you need power, just you know play him out for the rest of the year. But he's not somebody who's going to be like a long-term keeper. He's not like a young prospect or anything. So I wouldn't be too excited about his future. Okay. Uh, let's get to another who-the-heck-is-he guy who I feel like other guys probably heard of him before I did. Henry Arusha or Arudia or Arudia or Arusha. Arusha, that would be fun. I, I like that one. Yeah, we'll go with that. Henry Arusha. Where's Eno when we need him for the pronunciation kick? <laughs> so he is now the dis- disabled list. He's the designated hitter uh, on the Orioles. Nolan Reimold, what a surprise, back on the disabled list. And now it's Arusha that's up. Uh, so he was a... A Cuban defector, and that's why I, I hadn't heard of him, and I guess I just kind of skipped over him when he was signed by the Orioles and he defected here. So he's going to be the everyday guy in Baltimore. Is he a guy who's worthy of picking up in mixed leagues? I just – I'm not sure because I think that he has a good hit tool. His power is, I would say, less than ideal for DH, but given the offensive environment that we hit in, you don't need to you know slug – 580, 600 to be an effective DH anymore. Um, as far as DHs go, he'll be useful. I don't know if he'll have any position eligibility. Um, what does Yahoo say? Because I know that he was not available to be picked up for me as of two days ago. Like, he was still in the waiver transaction, so I had to wait for him. It just said utility by him. Yeah, I'm actually not in any Yahoo leagues this year, so I can't quickly check. But I would guess... That I mean, Fangraphs lists him as DH. I'm not sure if that was because – did he play – well, obviously there's no DH in the minor leagues. Uh, what position did he play in the minors? Do you know? Right field. Right field. So, yeah. So I don't know if Yahoo is going to base it on what he's playing with the Orioles or uh, outfield based on the minors. So I'm no help there. Okay. But, I mean, I don't really see him as worth anything. He's a guy who probably will be better in terms of batting average than Colabello, but he's probably not going to have – much power. He has no speed. So you're really basically just picking him up for a decent average. I mean, he's like a Casey Kochman or a James Loney. Obviously, James Loney's had a better season this year than he usually has had. But think of what James Loney used to do. Good batting average, 290 or so, with not very much power for his position. And that's basically what you're going to get from Arusha. So I wouldn't bother with him. I mean, do you agree you'd prefer to take a chance on Colabello rather than Arusha? 
I don't know, because these guys are such lottery tickets. Um, like, Arushia, I, I, I'm sure I'm slattering that, by the way. He has impressive triple slashes, but again, his batting average in balls and play has been over 400 in both double and triple A this year. And I forgot who did a study, but uh, apparently, like, batting average in balls and play doesn't correlate very well. Who knew? What a shocking surprise, right? Yeah. So it's just one of those things where, like, he could be this, but he's probably this. I think he could be better than James Loney because that's just a pretty low bar to set as far as, you know, first base corner outfield type fantasy players. Uh, but if we're ranking the people who we kind of touched on, I'd go probably Ruff, Calabello, then Arushia. But you can the, – the last two are a bit of a coin flip for me. Yeah, I agree with that ranking. And the other thing to remember is that Arushia is left-handed and so he's probably going to sit early on against tough lefties. And I hate that. Because I own Lonnie Chisenhall now as an injury replacement for uh, Aramis Ramirez in Tau Wars. And having to always look at the schedule to see how many lefties they're facing and knowing that you're not going to get a full slate of games is extremely annoying. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. As, as a longtime uh, Seth Smith guy, I <laughs> absolutely know that. And Seth Smith isn't even that great when he's facing right-handers. So. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The league we use uses total bases in OBP, so he gets the job done. <laughs> uh, okay, Mr. Athletics. <laughs> All right, well, that's a wrap, folks. So join us again on Tuesday for more fantasy fun on Sleeper on the Bust. For David Weirs, uh, Mike Podhorzer, thanks for tuning in.